Hello, sleepyheads, and welcome to Sleeping with Celebrities. I'm John Moe. I'm glad you're here. On this audio program, we invite our guests to step out of the limelight and step into the nightlight. On this show, for one bedtime, we don't want them to bring their A game, but rather their Z game. It is a podcast where you can sleep, you can simply relax, you can take a break from stress, intensity, and worry. Just ahead, we'll be sleeping with Oscar Montoya. He's going to talk with us about rice. But before all that, I invite you to settle in and get comfortable while I tell you about another show on the Maximum Fun Network. Hello, sleepyheads. I wish to tell you about another podcast here on the Maximum Fun Network. It is called Free with Ads. It is a podcast that asks you the following question. Why pay for streaming services when movies like Time Cop and Grease 2 can be watched for nothing more than the cost of enduring a few loud, unskippable ads. Then this podcast says to you, join us every week for a dive into the Internet's bargain bin. Emily Fleming and Jordan Morris are real friends, real comedy writers, and real cheapskates. They met working in comedy writing rooms and bonded over their love of trashy pop culture and saving a buck. They are combining these loves for the podcast Free With Ads, a movie review show dedicated to the weird, amazing, inexplicable movies streaming free on an internet near you. Free With Ads can be found at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. And now for our guest. Oscar Montoya acts, stand-up comedies, and dances the hip-hop. He is also now a podcaster with Maximum Fun, as co-host of Eurovangelists with Dimitri Pompey and Jeremy Bent. Oscar appeared in Dick's, the musical, as Oscar the Garbage Man, and won a Critics' Choice Award for his performance as Richie, in the series Minx. According to his Twitter bio, he is not a very attractive man, but you are allowed to lie on Twitter, and Oscar has. Welcome, Oscar. Hi, thank you so much for having me. You know, I like to start off these conversations with a question or two about sleep. Do you recall the best night of sleep that you've ever had? Well, I sleep and I are uh, not very well acquainted friends. You know, I have a hard time sleeping and just being consistent with my sleep schedule. For me, 
I need something on, which is how I came about this incredible show. Hmm. It's it does help. It's very helpful. Oh, good. And it works. It works. But I typically play on YouTube. There's videos. I think his name is Nemo, Captain Nemo on YouTube. And uh, shout out to Nemo. And he or she or they put on videos that are situational. For example, there's a video uh, entitled Your Opening Presence on Christmas While 40s Music is Playing in the Background and It's Raining Outside. To me, I sleep like a log listening to that. It just makes me feel comfortable and at ease. And, you know, just just having a scenario where I know who I am, what I'm doing and where I am puts me in a very comfortable position. So these are a series of, of sounds then on this video. Correct. Yes, yes, yes. Can you replicate them as best you can with your mouth now? Absolutely. It's, it's a layered video because, of course, there's three elements in it. You know, there's the opening presence aspect of it, which is the... You know? Yeah. And then there's the rainstorm happening outside, which is the... You know, and then there's a the 40s music playing outside, which is you know, so there's there's three of those. So you layer those on top of each other, and then you have the perfect remedy for insomnia. If we're able to, with our editing equipment, we can layer those three sounds you made on top of each other. But in case we can't, can you attempt to do all three at once? Of course I can. It's a dog. That's uh, that's pretty oh. much it, yeah. What a what a pleasant Christmas that is. Absolutely. Let's talk about rice. Yes, let's. How exciting. What what is it that uh that led you to want to talk about rice? And what parts of rice do you wish to discuss? You know, rice tends to be the unsung hero of, you know, I'll say grains for sure, that's a definite, but definitely food, just especially in American culture, you know? Like if you are listening to this overseas, if you're living in, for example, an Asian country or in a South American country, this is going to be redundant for you because you already know this information. You know the wonders and marvels of rice. However, if you are living in the U.S., and I'll say it, Europe as well, you might not know the magic of this wonderful, wonderful grain. Rice is pretty much the dependable, not not the star of the dish. I wouldn't say, uh, are you a sports person? Yes, I enjoy sports. Okay, so a quarterback is sort of the star of a football team, correct? Yes. Now, what is the player that is 
in a football team and doesn't get a lot of love, but we recognize as a stable and consistent player on the team. A kicker? Is that, is that, is that what you... Tight ends? I would say an offensive lineman, either a center or a guard or a tackle, because okay. without, without those players, the quarterback could never shine because he would be, he would be tackled so, so quickly. I see. See, I've never heard of any of those things you just told me. Okay. Um, and that's exactly my my point. You know, to you, Rice is like that. Or I mean, I don't. I don't mean to you personally, but you, the listeners out there, sure. Uh, especially if you're from the U.S. and Europe, to you, you might be like, "What is what is rice even?" You know, I don't eat rice. You know, mm. uh, I don't eat grains or carbs. I'm watching my figure, and to that, I say, "Shut up." Oh. And, you know, rice is a staple in any dish. It makes the star of the dish shine even brighter. It's true. Rice is not the star of any dish. It can be. Mm. I've had dishes where I've just, I mean, I've had just rice and I was completely content. Mm. But it usually is comfortable being sort of the, the, the supporting actor or actress in a dish the defensive lineman is that what you said? Offensive lineman. Yeah. Okay. Is there a thing as defensive? There lineman? is a defensive lineman as well. Usually, you have. You see, Oscar. They there are five offensive linemen. There is the five left. Of, yeah. There's a lot of. That's a lot. At least five. There's the left tackle. The left. Typically more. Well, there's the left tackle. There's the okay. left guard. Wow. And then there's the center. And then the right guard and the right tackle moving moving left to right. Often there will be a tight end also on the other okay. end of, on one end of those one end of that line, the offensive line. It's really okay. a segment because a line implies that it goes on infinitely, and this I only see. goes as far as five dudes. Um, mm -hmm. Now across mm -hmm. from them will be the defensive line, which is sometimes right. three players. Sometimes right. four players. Okay. Um, but then behind that line, there are the linebackers, which okay. are other defensive players. And beyond them, the cornerbacks, which is different than a quarterback. The cornerbacks. What did you? Cornerbacks. Cornerbacks, yes. I've never heard of, of this cornerback. And then the ironically named safeties. These are players who don't behave safely at all. In fact, they they try to tackle and cause a lot of They're unsafe the situations. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. everybody is trying to do the tackling, but the safeties are certainly in there, uh, ready to cause unsafe situations. Interesting, interesting. So rice is very similar to that. Mm. You know, there's layers to it. Yes. I mean, you know, you talk about potentially infinite. You know, there's potentially an infinite amount of rice. Yes. There's a lot of it. And for me, I'm just fascinated by the malleability of the food. Mm. It, it, it's a wonder to me that you can find unlimited ways of cooking, making, and enjoying rice. Mm. Let's talk about the, the preparation of rice. Yes. There are many ways to go about preparing rice. Absolutely. Which is your preferred way? Well, it depends on what kind of rice I'm having. You know, the main two rice that I enjoy eating. And, you know, a lot of people will say, 
well, you know, I'm talking about white rice and then brown rice. Right. Now, a lot of people are saying, wait, Oscar, you forgot one more important rice, which is wild rice. Wild rice. And to that, I say, shut up. Oh. You don't know what you're talking about. Mm. And I, I would verbally tackle them like a safety and say, uh, wild rice is not technically a rice. Oh. It's in a, a different family altogether and not part of this team, so to speak. It's very much like the safety, a misnomer, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. And uh, for me, my favorite way to prepare, you know, white rice, I have to admit, is my favorite. It's technically not as good as brown rice for you because, you know, it's been processed to heck, so to speak. But um, it, it is more enjoyable for me. And, and I find more versatility in the white rice. I enjoy, well, first what I do is I soak it in water and then I sort of massage the rice to get rid of like the white stuff on the rice. Because as we know, white rice is essentially brown rice, but without the layering of the bran coating outside of the brown rice. And the reason why white rice exists is because it, it, preserve, it has a longer shelf life. Now, typically brown rice can last up to, I believe, about like five or six years without it going brown. Whereas white rice has a shelf life of 10 to 30 years. So it's just, you know, you can have, if taken care of, you know, in room temperature setting without any contaminants inside of it, it can last a long time can last a very, very long time. So what I do is I put the white rice in a, in a bowl of water, room temperature, of course, and then I sort of massage it. I soak it to just, and then I, I just take out the, uh, the white stuff. I don't even know what you would call that. And then I put it in, well, before I had a rice cooker, which is, I, I have to say, a, a lifesaver. Do you, do you have a rice cooker at home by any chance? I do own a rice cooker, yes. It's, it's how often do you partake in rice? I, I go through phases. I go through times when, when I'm making a great deal of rice and mm. other times where it's not so much. I enjoy the, the rice cooker, which I received as a gift from my wife for Amazing. Christmas. It's a very good wife you have. She was very thoughtful because she knew that I wanted this easy access to rice. However, mm. she does not use the rice cooker. She prefers oh. to cook it in a pot in the traditional way. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. It's like a hidden lyric of um, opposites attract. We've been married a very Paula. long time and mm. we can accept these uh, rice differences um, and, and That's okay. the marriage and thrives. I Yes, and I would say even showing the variety of how rice is cooked is making, I would say, you know, I just met you, but I can tell that it's made your marriage stronger. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 have, I, I can be grounded in a sense of gravity from knowing that I can accept rice differences. Absolutely. Are you familiar with the theory of cooking rice like it was pasta? No, I'm afraid I, I'm not very familiar. Please, please elaborate. Well, allrecipes.com says that how to cook rice like pasta, that this is not a recipe, it is a technique uh -huh. that you would ordinarily use for pasta. You bring a large pot of water to a boil, add mm. enough salt 
to make the water taste salty, but not unpleasantly so. About a 2% salt content. So you would have to taste the water. Taste the water. Sure, uh, right, that, that you can taste the salt, but that it's not like taking a gulp of the ocean, I suppose. Right, which would be unpleasant. Right. When the water is at a rolling boil, you stir in your rice in a steady stream and stir so that it doesn't clump. And then you boil it uncovered for about 20 to 25 minutes until the rice is to your preferred texture. I see. Once the rice is cooked to your taste, you drain it well. You can rinse it under cold water if you like. And then you let it sit uncovered for about 15 to 20 minutes. Mm. And at that point, it's ready to go. You can add your butter, your oil, your other seasonings. And uh, you've treated it just like a, a bunch of pasta noodles, tiny, tiny pasta noodles. Very, very small pasta noodles. Yeah. I'm curious to try it, actually. Yeah. Because I do love pasta. Sure. But I've never cooked right like pasta. Mm. That could be delicious. It could be. It it seems it when I first heard about this, it mm-hmm. flew in the face of what I knew about rice cooking, which is once the water is in there, you leave it alone. You don't you don't disturb the the layer of rice that is that is established, the nice level plane right. of rice, because then I don't know what. I'm, I've just been cautioned strongly about it. Well, that's what we've been taught. Yes. To prepare rice, right? We leave it alone. I agree with you. You know, I also leave leave alone. If I'm cooking it the, the old-fashioned way, I mean, with a rice cooker, you do leave it alone. The, the, the rice cooker is doing the work, yes. the job of cooking the rice. I'm not going to tell a head chef how to prepare a certain meal sure no, they tell me what to do yes and the rice cooker is telling me to leave it alone for me when i do make rice the old-fashioned way there's something really fun that happens when you tend to overcook the rice just a little bit mm. there is a layer at the very bottom of the pot which is sort of crunchy mm-hmm. and 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 sticky you know in you know i i am from colombia mm-hmm. a country that does use a lot of rice and we have a name for that a sort of crunchy hard substance which is pegado which pegado. literally translates to the sticky stuff mm. and you know i i love eating that especially if you know when you get tired of sort of the texture of the rice uh, and you want something a little crunchier a little hardier a little charred you mm-hmm. know the big is always always delicious and it's usually seen as a treat if i remember in colombia whoever was the favorite child that certain day would get the pegado and um you know not to brag but oftentimes it was me so mm. Okay, okay. Once the rice is cooked, do you season, do you butter, do you oil? What do you do after the the cooking is completed? Hello, welcome everyone. Step right up. We're going to heal you. We are the healers, Ross and Carrie. Yes, yes. You there. You look like you're upset. Come up here. Yes, you are healed because you've listened to our podcast. Yes. Have you been having trouble with demons? Are you sleeping too much? Too little? Just right? We have the solution. It is to listen to Oh Oh No, No, Ross Ross and and Carrie. Carrie. A show where we examine unusual claims. We show up so you don't have to. 
Find us on MaximumFun.org. We won't actually heal you. Once the rice is cooked, do you season, do you butter, do you oil? What do you do after the, the cooking is completed? So um, this is a controversial take. I love rice so much that I don't do anything to it. Mm. I do not put salt. Um, I think it's a bit sacrilegious to add more flavor to it. I typically pair. Okay, so this is this is my favorite dish. Are you ready? Yes. Is everyone sitting down? Hopefully you're lying down. Yeah. What you do is you take an avocado, you cut it in half, you take out the pit, and an avocado is a beautiful fruit. Is it a fruit? I think it's a fruit. Let's go with that. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a beautiful fruit and or vegetable because it's, it's nature's rice bowl. Mm. You know, so you have the half of the avocado. And what I do is I put, there's a little, you know, dent where the rice, where the, where the uh, pit was. Sure. I put rice on that little hole, right, mm -hmm. to cover it up. So it's got a little uh, rice on the layer. And then I drizzle a little bit of honey on the rice. Oh. And that's my perfect dish. Little uh, and so it's you get a lot of avocado and you get some yes. rice and you get a little zing of honey in there as well. That's right. So it's got a nice little flavor profile. Mm. And it was, uh, I mean, it was consistently what I ate when I was, you know, post college struggling with mm. finances and didn't have a lot of money. So that was a nice little treat I gave myself. You know, would you use this as a snack or as a meal? You know what? I didn't, didn't have money. It was a full on meal, mm. you know, but now that I have, that I'm <laughs> stinking rich, right. I, um, Hollywood big shot. That's right. Yes. I use it as a, as a snack, a nice little snack because you know, what, what is a little bowl of avocado going to do for you? Really? It's mm. not really going to satiate your hunger, but you know, the magic thing about rice is that it does satiate hunger. If you eat enough rice, you're kind of full, you know? And it's a cheap alternative for, you know, food, other food. Right, right. The comedian Mitch Hedberg uh, once said oh, that yes. rice is the perfect food when you're hungry and you want to eat 4,000 of something. Yes. Well said. Yeah. Very well said. I mean, I would replace comedian with philosopher, honestly, Could because be. of that remark. Yeah. Yes, yes. You know, avocados are considered a, a superfood. The Mayo Clinic mm. says avocados contain 20 vitamins, minerals, fiber, and phytonutrients, making them nutrient dense. This superfood oh. is a high fat food with over half of its fat content coming from monounsaturated fat. When making food choices, we are sometimes hesitant to eat foods higher in fat and calories, but this is, in fact, a superfood nutrient dense yes it's a good kind of fat you know you have bad fat that you would find in delicious foods like um you know fried chicken or things that are much tastier than avocados absolutely and not to say that avocados aren't tasty no. but that's a food that i definitely need to add stuff to i just can't eat it you know raw that's where i put i put salt on meeting just to make oh, i'm putting salt and i'm putting a little bit of 
seasoning, mm-hmm. um, although I would put in that. But you know, my 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 problem with avocado is that it goes bad pretty quickly. Yes. You know, it's good for it's got a little teeny weeny little shelf life. It's good for like a day or two, and then afterwards. It just goes brown and I just can't abide by, I don't know how you are with fruit, but I can't abide by with any squishiness, mm-hmm. any brownness. I, I just don't like it. I, I guess I'm, I guess I'm a diva that way. But for example, like bananas, I, I like just a ripe banana. It's got to be just right. If, even if it's a little brown, I just, I won't have it. Mm-hmm. How, how are you with fruit? With bananas, I, I am tempted to eat the green bananas, but I hold off until they're just sort of green. And Why tempted? Because I am so averse to what you're talking about, to having mm. the banana that's on the other side of the hill. Yes. Well said. I like the tartness, the kind of almost burn your mouth quality of a, mm. a maybe not quite ripe banana that I eat anyway. That's a great descriptor. Burn your mouth. Yes. That is that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. It's the lamb of bananas, really, is what I'm after. Explain that. Well, you know, instead of eating a sheep, you know, it's, it's considered more of a delicacy to have lamb, you know, a young sheep. And so, similarly, I would like a young banana before, uh, before it's been around. That's right. Yeah. Before yeah. it's, yes, before it's been used, before it's experienced the harshness of life. Where are you with oranges in the ripeness cycle? Interesting. I don't, I'm not a, I'm not an orange partaker. Mm. I actually, I can't even tell you when the last time I had an orange was. Really? Yeah. Maybe I should fix that. Or do I? I don't know. I like orange juice. No, I don't even like orange juice. It's too acidic for me. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I, you know, I have to say, I didn't know that oranges I mean, this is going to sound like I'm the biggest idiot, but of course they go bad. But do they get soft and brownie? I I find sometimes they get they get brownie. Sometimes they get kind of hard, where the the juice is sort of dried up a little bit, and then coagulated. Yeah, and then you get yeah. kind of a a hard thing. In my family, Oscar, we we sometimes mm-hmm. will buy the bags of uh, Satsuma oranges. The cuties they're sometimes called yes i'm familiar with that yeah and it's uh it's difficult to tell what's going to happen to them because sometimes Mm -hmm. if i i have two uh older kids who are off at college but if if everybody's home around the holidays sometimes we'll go through one of those in a day or two other times Mm -hmm. nobody will have the hankering and they will just sit unpeeled and unconsumed until they turn into hard little rocks and nobody throws them away because everybody thinks somebody else will eat them. Of course, of course. And that they just become brown rocks. Interesting. So instead of turning into like soft mush, like bananas, oranges do the opposite. Yes. They turn into hard little, little, little pebbles. Stones. So yeah. Little stones. Interesting. Well, see, that's that's the that's the reason, and that inherently is the reason why rice will always be there for you. True. You know, it 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 does start off as hard little rocks. I mean, please do not do not attempt to eat rice uncooked. It is not tasty. No, it's not good. It's definitely not good for you. 
No. Did you know you're not supposed to feed pigeons uh, rice? Because it could blow up in their stomach. Which is like little um, edible grenades. It's, it's scary. So you don't want that. If, if, if it's not good for a pigeon, it's definitely not good for humans. So please do not eat rice uncooked. You, you have to go through the process of getting to know the rice, dealing with the rice, or at least hiring someone that knows how to deal with rice. Mm. To me, there's something quite magical about that. You know? Do you have a name for the avocado and rice in the hole with honey drizzled over it you, dish? You know, I, I don't. And I, I try to, t I, I explain it to, to friends and they look at me like I have five heads because they've never heard of it. Mm. Um, but you know, the, 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 the catalyst of that creation of food was, you know, out of desperation and lack of financial funds. Mm. I, I don't have a name for it, but, but I, I'm, I am, if you have any pitches for potential names for it, I am, I am eagerly awaiting um, your response. Well, let's see. I think we might be able to help you out. Our producer, oh, Gabe, Gabe Mara, has been giving this some thought. And Gabe, you want to you wanna hop on the, the call right here and offer your suggestion? Oh, yes, please. Hi, Oscar. I was thinking arroz montoya. Oh my gosh. It's like a play on arroz con pollo, which is, exactly. you know, chicken rice. I, I love that. It's fun. Do you think it's a little too self-indulgent though? I, I just don't want to come across as like, I'm, it's me forward. I think as the popularity increases with the dish, it'll just become accepted. Like Caesar salad is named after somebody named Cesar. Nachos are named after somebody named Ignacio. And it was shortened to nachos. Is that true? That is true. Yes. That sounds that sounds like a fairy tale. That sounds made up. Nobody has to know, Oscar. Nobody has to know. <laughs> I think no, it's like it's like a sandwich, you know, like uh, named after the Earl of Sandwich. So right. yeah, we just we just accept it. That's true. Yeah. So in uh, the city of Piedras Negras, Coahuila in Mexico, across the border from Eagle Pass, Texas. Wow. Ignacio, a.k.a. Nacho Anaya, created nachos in 1943 at the restaurant where, where he worked, the, the Victory Club, wow. near the U.S. Army Base Fort Duncan. And wow. um, he was unable to find the cook. He went to the kitchen, spotted some freshly fried pieces of corn tortillas, and then he cut them into triangles, fried them, added shredded cheese, and then added some jalapeno peppers and served them. And this was known as Nachos Special. And it just became shortened to nachos. And that's those are the nachos we love today. I, you know, the mind of a genius works in mysterious ways. How do you look at a tortilla and, and and then think i need to cut it up in tiny triangles triangles that's the intriguing part to choose you know that mean? shape yeah exactly not squares no not a rectangle not a circle which is i i don't know i would i, I would if i'm frying anything also to fry it mm. and then to be like oh it, i'm gonna put cheese on it I, I don't know that that nacho wow yeah i'm very impressed yeah, he eventually opened his own restaurant called Nachos Restaurant and mm. um, and sold nachos at Nachos. That's confusing. It became popular throughout the Southwest and then eventually through 
through the country and around the world. Absolutely. Wow, that's and, and he wasn't he wasn't a chef. Yes, or was he? It doesn't seem that he was. Which to me I'm curious, what was he before? Ignacio Nacho Anaya Garcia, who passed away on November 9th, 1975 at the age of 80. Wow, lived a long life. Was a Mexican maitre d. And so he he couldn't find the chef, but as a maitre d, he thought, well, I need to keep my guests satisfied and happy. Yes. And he improvised. He made food for them. Yeah. Wow. Because what is the job of a maitre d'? Just to sort of, it's like a glorified host of a restaurant, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's like the the guy in charge. The the guy mm. to oh the boss in charge of the waiters, I believe, would be would be the maitre d'. Okay. 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 Wow. So that's. You know, give a man an opportunity to cook, mm-hmm. and he will come up with wonderful things. Yes. Mm-hmm. I've always been intrigued by the plural form nachos, because how can you have a single nacho? I think you can have a single nacho when it gets um, separated from the nachos, uh, from the journey from the bowl to the mouth. I think that's when nacho is appropriate. But as a dish serving, unless it's some sort of like deconstructed sort of pretentious, I'm sorry to say restaurant, then, you know, they'd probably serve a nacho sort of with a pate or something like that. Right. But uh, nachos is typically, yeah, you don't, yeah, you don't eat, I guess you eat a nacho, but you eat nachos. You Mm. order nachos, but you Mm. can't eat a nacho. Right. Right. Do you where do you stand, Oscar, on uh, on lettuce being served on top of a plate of nachos? <laughs> Even thinking about it is making me laugh. What do you mean? Well, it's a good question, and it's something that I had never considered before moving about sixteen years ago to the Upper Midwest, where I discovered wow. shredded iceberg lettuce served atop nachos. And this is a regional thing? It's got to be a regional thing because uh, I just have never seen it anywhere else. But but here in Minnesota, it's just seen as a perfectly normal thing. Almost as if it was a taco salad sort of spread onto a, a plate in a more strictly two-dimensional way. That's interesting. Now, I've heard of a salad served on a taco bowl. Mm. And maybe to take on that, maybe... The nachos are the bowl and you're just having the salad on top of it. Maybe it's, you know, a, a way to be to make nachos healthier. Mm. Um, but it, I mean, what is the, the flavor profile of, of lettuce on nachos? Does it take away from the experience or, or are you like, this is not nachos, this is something else entirely? To me, it it sort of violates the temperature norm of the dish because never we, thought about that. we expect our plate of nachos to be hot or warm, but you you can't, or at least you mustn't have hot lettuce. Lettuce is always going to be cold. Absolutely. And I'm thinking of, well, the texture profile as well. I'm used to lettuce being crisp, but yes. when you put it on cheese and it's going to sagify the lettuce and that's not yes. a very interest. I don't, I don't care for soggy anything. I don't right. like that. I don't like that texture at all. So I, I, I don't, you're bringing the dish down. I'm sorry to say 
Midwesterners, yeah. but um, that that's not the way nachos intended for his dish to be. Or maybe it did. I don't know. But it certainly isn't adding much to the dish. He was the father of nine children. Oh, my goodness. I mean, when you have the money, I, I hope he had he got money from, you know, copywriting the, the dish. But uh, when you have money, why not have nine kids? It would be nice if every time a plate of nachos was served at a ballpark or something or a Taco Bell, that uh, maybe a little fraction of a cent goes to, to Nacho and his, his nine heirs. That would be nice, you know, getting royalties for Nachos. I mean, even in this episode, he might be getting some money thrown his yeah. way, we'll or his estate anyway. Right. It's so important to support your maximum fund programs, and uh, because who knows, we, we might have to pay a sort of dowry to... Uh, to Nacho. Do you on Eurovangelists yes. ever discuss rice or lettuce or nachos? We don't, but I think we need to open up that conversation. You know, the Eurovangelist is about the Eurovision Song Contest, and not a lot of European dishes really feature rice as 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 a star or even a supporting uh, mm. cast member. I'm 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 trying to think right now. Do you know any uh European dishes at the top of your head that feature rice? Because I, I, I'm having a hard time. I mean, paella from Spain has some rice, but the star yeah. is seafood. And it really is usually mostly just a seafood mixture. Mm. Um, and that's the only dish I can think of at the top of my head that does feature rice. Everything else to, is not. I can't think of any European dishes that, certainly no British dishes. Absolutely not. I have a great deal of family in Norway, and mm. I don't, I can't think of any Norwegian it's dishes. fish, isn't it? What is Norwegian diet? It's a lot of fish. It's a lot of uh, spice is sort of foreign to the concept, but... Uh, pickled, a lot of pickled things. A lot yes? of things are pickled, yes. yes. Brined um, dishes would be, mm. would be Norwegian. And a surprising amount of frozen pizza. They are... The Norwegians are just nuts for frozen pizza and for tacos. No way. The Norwegians love, you know, in America, we have our Taco Tuesdays. Absolutely. Course. In Norway, Taco Saturdays are the norm. Is that true? Which is not even alliterative, but yet. It might be in Norwegian, maybe? I, I need. How do you say Saturday in Norwegian? I hope it starts with a T. Maybe how do you say taco in Norwegian? Maybe it's a different word altogether. So Saturday is lordag hmm. in Norwegian. So, uh, and I believe taco is just taco. Hmm. That's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the same. The fact that they have a dedicated day for tacos makes it a staple. And I mean, and tacos are not Norwegian by nature. So no, that's very interesting. If there's any European listeners out there, incorporate rice into your cuisine. You never know what kind of fun little surprises you might have. And as a matter of fact, you can be your own European version of nachos. Mm. Take rice, put it with something Norwegian. Yes. Like, uh, let's say, um, a pickled or brined fish. Mm -hmm. And then you'll see... Pickled herring. Pickled herring, there it is. Pickled herring. And then you never know what kind of magical concoction you can come up with. I mean, cooking is alchemy, isn't it? It is. It is. You you create something miraculous out of out of ingredients 
for me, I, I lack that imagination. I see ingredients and I think... Oh, are you not a cook? I'm not much of a cook because mm. I think I have these ingredients. What can I do with them? And all I can think is to fold them into an omelet of some kind. Is that what you typically tend to make? I mean, you know, omelets are delicious. Omelets can be delicious, but if I'm cooking for my family, they, they don't have much of an interest in them. I will, if I'm making a taco night yeah. on a Tuesday or some other night, mm. I will incorporate some rice, some brown rice, <gasps> be, because, because Chipotle has made that the norm for my children who are in, in their teens or early 20s. And so they accept the rice being a part of the Mexican food process. Absolutely. As well as they should, you know, it's good that you're, you know, introducing your children to rice. It, it's, a, it's a very good thing that you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I applaud you for that. What's your favorite dish to cook with rice once it's been prepared and, and as you say, not seasoned, ready to go just on its own? Yes. So not to jump on the egg bandwagon, but I do love an egg on rice. It is my mm. favorite thing to make. I love eggs as well. Again, I love a, I guess, you know, this is the first time I'm saying this out loud, but I, I do love a versatile food. And I think eggs are just as versatile as rice. And um, I do love eating rice and eggs together. It is a staple. It is something that I can make that takes literally no time at all. Mm -hmm. And it's so delicious. Oh, I want an egg a rice bowl right now, as a matter of fact. Do you put the, the, do you just crack the egg onto the rice? Sometimes I do. Sometimes I make sort of a fried rice situation, mm. but I usually typically make, I cook the egg, I fry the egg mm. on a pan and then I put it on the, on the rice. There's something quite, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm salivating a bit now, I'm thinking sure. about just it, the way a, a yolk breaks and gets soaked into the rice. And that mm. I think that flavor profile is one of my favorites. Mm. When you cook the egg, is it over easy? Is it sunny side up? Is it is it hard? What is it? It's, it's typically sunny side up. I do like a scrambled egg, but it's I, I do scrambles when I have less messed up an egg. You know, mm, when I, when yeah. I've, I I haven't done it to perfection, a, scr a scramble is always the sort of you know not not to put judgment on it, but it is the lowest common denominator of like what it ends up being if things don't go well. If I can't cook the egg, I've tried poaching the egg, but I don't really like a poached egg to be honest with you. Yeah. I um I do like a yolk, but there's something about preparing a poached egg that is just too much work, and it feels counterintuitive to the magic that is the egg. Yeah. So uh, sunny side up, real nice, real easy. I just plopped right on top of the rice, put a little seasoning on top of that egg and you are good to go. That is my favorite dish to make. Simple, easy. And you know, I'm not a cook at all. I can't cook. I can barely cook, you know, the rice and, and uh, egg dish, but you know, any more complex than that. And I will struggle. I will struggle. Mm. We've learned so much about rice and about nachos and about eggs and a little bit about fish. That's right. And, and oranges too. And also oranges and bananas. I want to thank you so much, Oscar, for sleeping with us. I very much enjoyed hearing about all of these foods and good night. Good night. And thank you for making me feel cozy and at home.
Well, sleepyheads, I hope you enjoyed learning about rice as much as I did. You know, something I like to do at the end of my day is make a mental catalog of things that I experienced or learned. So if you don't mind, I'm going to make a list of takeaways for my conversation with Oscar Montoya right now while it's fresh in my mind. One, Oscar is a talented Foley artist and could have been a singer in the 1940s. Two, Rice is the offensive lineman of grains. Three, you can cook rice like pasta, supposedly. Four, in Colombia, the crispy rice at the bottom of the pan is served as a treat, often for the favorite child. Five, avocado is nature's rice bowl. Six, do not eat rice uncooked, especially if you are a pigeon, for you may explode. Six, nachos were invented by and named for Ignacio Anaya, in 1940, he was the maitre d' of a restaurant in Piedras Negras. 7. In the upper Midwest of the United States, nachos and taco salads are more or less interchangeable. And 8. Sunny side up egg plopped right on top of rice is an ultimate dish. Okay. Ah, I'm going to turn in myself. Thank you for sleeping with me and my guest, Oscar Montoya. You can follow Sleeping With Celebrities on Twitter at the handle at sleepwithcelebs. On Instagram, the handle is at sleepwcelebs. Our email is sleepwithcelebs at maximumfun.org. Music provided by the Winterbowers. This program was produced and edited by Gabe Mara and senior produced by Laura Swisher. Swish. It is a production of Maximum Fun and Papuchik. I'm John Moe. Night Night. Maximum Fun. A worker-owned network of artist-owned shows. Supported directly by you.